Hey, you have all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Well, welcome. I'm pretty sure you're in the right place. This is Sleep With Me. Well, tonight's Game of Thrones presented by Game of, presented by Sleep With Me. The Game of Thrones podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Uh, we do it with an episode discussion. All you got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I've heard from multiple people this week that don't watch Game of Thrones, that enjoy Game of Dr- Thr- Thrones episodes, probably because they get to listen to me botch uh, English language. But so, you know, if you don't like Game of Thrones, test this episode, show these episodes out. Otherwise, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have new non-Game of Thrones episodes. But yeah, we do it with an episode discussion. All you have to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. We're going to do the rest. And what does the rest mean? It means I'm going to distract you from whatever's running through your brain by creating a safe place where you can set aside any concerns. It, it, you know, you'll have to learn to trust me. If this podcast is going to work for you, there are people that trust me. There are people that are like, this guy's a nut job, or he's, you know, too. I don't need, I guess I don't know, you know, he, he, you know, I'm not for everybody, but I'm not going to try to, um, I'm not going to try any funny stuff. I'm going to keep my hands to myself during the podcast, okay? You know, mentally and phys- physically, I couldn't do, you know, Wait, what am I trying to say? All I'm going to do is talk about a Game of Thrones episode. This time it's uh, Reigns of Castamere, or the Reigns of Castamere, depending on where, which region of Westeros you're from. And I'm going to talk, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get through this interview, I'm going to say some thank yous, then I'm going to talk about the episode, and I'm going to go on, I mean, I'm going to be, it's an indulgent indulgent discussion, but not longer than the show when I talk about the episode, because obviously that would be like, but then after I'll be like, oh, I noticed, you know, there was a spire in there. Where is spire is a very nice word to say, spire, a spire, a spire. Are those words related? I looked it up, and here's what it turns out. That, that's like what the discussion will be. I'll do three or four segments, five, six segments like that sometimes. Then we'll have a visit from Sir Pounce and Sir Tom and uh, characters similar to characters you may see on Game of Thrones, but not fantasy fiction or fan fiction, but a fantasy of mine that's fictionalized. Well, I don't fantasize about young males and cats Having adventure. Oh, no, what I do. Yeah, I guess it is my fantasy of a young boy and his cat. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Why am I, why is my internal critic judging me about that? But I'll do that. And then I'll pray to the old gods and the new earth gods I've discovered on earth. My, I'm in earth. That's my belief system. Old gods and new. Again, not, you know, I can't help when inspiration strikes me. Uh, so that's that's basically what episode is. You're going to relax. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to drone on and on, Game of Drones. Uh, the key piece, the key piece that seems to be is like, if you're listening to me and you say, well, it's kind of interesting. He's talking about boiled leather. I've always wondered about boiled leather. And then you'll listen and you'll be like, well, no, I guess I realize that I don't care about boiled leather. leather. Or maybe you'll just hear me say leather, leather. I've done that before. You'll stop thinking about whatever's bothering you. You'll listen to me, uh, you know, struggling to get sentences out. 
and then talking about stuff that's interesting to me that you're like, well, mildly interesting, you know, and then you'll fall asleep because you won't be thinking about uh, spreadsheets or the person that at work that worries, where's the spreadsheets? I mean, or forms that either need to be filled out or created in some freaking template of doom or any other stuff like, uh, you know, affairs, who who loves who, who doesn't love who, who's angry at who, whatever, you know, or whatever it is. Life is difficult, no joke, no no doubt about it. But the one thing that those parts of us, they get all, you know, whoa, whoa, I got to figure this out tonight. It doesn't realize, that part of your brain doesn't realize, hey, I got to get some sleep too. All that stuff will really be there in the morning. Uh, you know, so it'll be there for you to deal with it tomorrow. And you'll be in better shape to deal with it tomorrow if you just at least, I just snorted, I think. Did you guys hear that? Um, Now I'm distracted by my snorting. I wish I could have made it into a metaphor that would put you at ease. But that's all I try to do is, is I try to put you at ease with metaphors that don't make any sense, a tone that people say is monotonous or monotone, we but it is my natural speaking voice, I guess. Maybe, maybe I'm slightly, because uh, I'm in a closet here, tiny back of a closet I'm looking around right now. And so that's it. I hope I help you fall asleep. I hope, I don't, this is your first time here. That was, this is probably my worst. I, I have a lot, I poorly set up the show in general, but I don't know how bad, I don't know why. I, I I was just singing like 10 seconds ago or, you know, like eight minutes ago. I was singing, da, 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 day. I saw that. So it's not my, I don't know. That's it. I hope I help you fall asleep. If I don't, I hope you find something that does work for you. There's meditations out there. There's AMSR stuff. There's books, you know, audio books. There's free audio books on LibriVox or LibriVox. And you can get cheap books, uh, you know, in other places. There's like uh, patio books, I think is another one. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of options. But I hope this podcast works for the people it works for. And I hope that's you because I want you to get a good night's sleep. All right. I'm glad you're here. And I hope I help you fall asleep. Uh, we're on the web, www.sleepingmepodcast.com. Older episodes are at sleepingmepodcast.com slash drones. At Dear Scooter is how you get me on Twitter. Facebook, I'm on there. You can comment on the website. I'd love to hear from you. Did I say feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com? A lot of feedback coming in this week because of the website crash and the RSS, the great website crash of whatever. April, did that happen on April? No, it happened on like March 30th or 31st or something. Um, I think I'm still getting, like, as I was getting in here to record the podcast, I was hearing from some people on Facebook that were having trouble on iTunes. I checked iTunes on two computers, an iPad and an iPhone, and the podcast is there for me. It is RSA, just so search for sleep podcast uh, if it's not coming up or if you're, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I apologize. I hate when you can't sleep and then to have the sleep podcast be inconvenient for you is not my intention. My intention is just for the episodes to be there. As the internet people say, automatically. Uh, so, you know, a little hiccup. We'll get through it the next week or two. 
I'm hoping that uh, I've put my faith back in a company and I said, hey, can you fix this for me? And we'll see. Maybe, you know, so we'll see. But you put your faith in me tonight and I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones and then uh, go on and on. Uh, if you want to help the podcast out, you can go to and you're going to shop on Amazon. Go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Amazon. Uh, and you can, we'll get a, a few percentages of whatever you spend, I think, depending on what, but it'll help the podcast out. Uh, surprise, uh, you guys, uh, some people have been shopping on there. So I said, oh, I'm it again. If you want to pick, pick up a pair of sleep phones or headphones, you can go to sleepingpodcast.com slash sleep phones. They'll bring you right to the Amazon page. I've been using them. I talked my brother into buying some. Uh, on this trip I had in Florida, uh, I had those things that were, uh, you know, really helped me get sleep when I was stressed. So I, I really like them, sleep phones. We don't have a relationship with the manufacturer. I, I'm meaning to email them. But, yeah, so that's it. Uh, and let's uh, move on to the thank yous. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's time for my thank yous. Crone, uh, Sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester. Uh, gra- you know, time, it's been a little while since I said thank you. Uh, to, not to you guys. I said thank you to you guys last week, I'm pretty sure. But to my listeners, thank you. How, do we, how does it work in? I thank you for stuff other people did, right? That's right, because it's really your... It's really you guys' inspiration that inspired them with the idea. Say, hey, why don't you, uh, the podcast guy, why don't you say something? So thank you, uh, first of all, for love, so many lovely Canadians. But I can't pick a favorite Canadian, but I can f- pick a favorite Canadian who has a podcast, who also has a name, uh, Chris Posty Posterson, Favorite of all of all the Posty Postersons, Chris Posty Posterson is the pinnacle. Forgot to email him today. That was on my list, but I'll email him before he. he I don't even know. But he has a podcast. Sounds like an earful. He does our music. Uh, I want to thank Sir Scotty and Lady Jennifer for our artwork. Damon D. He, he's on the backup for the U.S. of A. So make sure you support him over at uh, Damon uh, SleepWithMePodcast dot com slash Double D. Uh, usual Lord and Lady, I got to thank because I haven't thanked them in a little while. Uh, but but uh, I got to thank, uh, you know, I'm backed up on the thankfulness, gods. Clearly not, you know, crone for you. I think they said it on the show, eat some dates. And Jester, no, no uh, jokes about being backed up on the other side because uh, you can't eat anything for that. Uh Anyway, I want to, I'm going to run through iTunes reviews. Uh, start with the international reviews. I want to thank everybody that wrote a review. Starting with scruffy-looking nerf herder from Canada, uh, lifetime the big fan of Superdoll. Next up, I want to thank G G Gangster, G G Gangster, good good oh good Gangster, from New Zealand. Uh, they said funny. Keep it up. I want to thank Monday. Mumsy, Mundy Mumsy, hello Mundy Mumsy, from Ireland, uh, works miracles, oh thank you. I want to thank Mac 11, 34, 84, 84, uh, from the Philippines, uh, said the podcast is a great, great job, Mr. Boring Guy, you are welcome. 
Uh, 11.30, 4.80, 4.80, 4.90, 5.05. And, uh, and that's it for the uh, international reviews. Let's cruise on back to the U.S. of A. And let's start thanking people over here, uh, starting with Joe T., who was the guy, a uh, friend that uh, said, hey, I'm going to buy some stuff on Amazon. Why, you know, he spurred off, like, me kicking off the Amazon thing. Joe T. says, tested out many different sleep aids, and, you know, they work for him. So thank you, Joe. Mim P. Mim P. In addition to sounding like a character that we would find stepping through a wardrobe into a secret garden or something, uh, falls asleep in like 10 minutes. Then we got Dot T. 385. That's right, Dotty 385. Like a grandmother on the internet or a, a Department of Transportation with a screen name. Uh, thank you for your review. Says we're amazing. Dear Sylvan, says we're best podcast and it works seriously. Pointless blathering. Absurdism asleep in no time. Skeptical. I love the skeptics. Because, uh, you know, I'm a skeptic. Dear Sylvan, you know, Sylvan, I used to spend some time at a Sylvan Beach when I was a real young lad. Great podcast from Hello, Jenny Fair. Hey, that's uh, that's funny because I, I used to spend some time at a mall called uh, Fairmount Fair, not Hello, Jenny Fair. Probably not a good name for a mall, but uh, Hello, Jenny Fair. I like that. Uh, uh, it takes Jenny about half... Half the podcast to fall asleep, but it works. Uh, and to put you to sleep instead of worrying about your financial, familial, or general life woes. Uh, you, said, you said it better than me. Deus ex machina, which I can never pronounce. Machina, machina, right? Uh, that means, you know, for, that's when movies at the end, if someone says that... Um, at the end of a movie, it's not a good thing. But in this case, I think from Steve G. Gringling, Steve Steve G. Last name sounds a bit like a creature that would be involved in some sort of a horror comedy movie. Now, Steve G. says the podcast is uh, helping helping him get to sleep, and he's pimping out the podcast. Uh, then we have overworked, underpaid, sleepy, the best podcast I've been looking for. And they say, you know, TV is annoying, BBC and NPR too depressing, Radio 4 too shrill, but sleep with me works. Thank you. Uh, overwork, underpaid, and sleepy. I've been there. Well, uh, next up is Liz, Liz Girls. Liz girls, uh, Liz. And next two kind of next three screen names would work together in a movie. Liz girls says we're really great, hilarious, and quick. Then we have LVA bear, but love a bear, love a bear is what I want to say. She says love a bear says we're great. They, I, I think a bear, you know, never assume a gender on anyone. It's not as you know, but I think Ray would say, but especially on a, a bear, especially a plush creature. So thanks to love a bear. And uh, then my little pony brony guy uh, says we're effective. Now, brony guy, I need you to email me, please, because I want you to tell me what episode so I can look back and re-listen. So, so brony guy says we're, we're newer episodes are lacking a little bit of enthusiasm. 
And I, you know, it's it's uh, that I want to. I'm open to that. So maybe I could pump it up a little bit, um, or listen for what you're 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 hearing that I'm missing, because I could, you know, that's always good. So k- k- hit me up with a couple episodes where, where that you like, and then good news for my little pony brony guy, and everyone else out there. We're not more than a few to weeks to a few months away from a new series launching. I can't really. Uh, tell anyone too much about it because uh uh but I, it's it's set it's being worked on in the uh, laboratory of uh story uh uh you know lead line story lab that's where i really like keep my story ideas but uh, i'll be launching as soon as after the glass slipper uh concludes maybe not as soon as it concludes it depends on how i feel about you know how if it's um it just depends on how I feel if it's ready for launch. Uh, but that's we do have a new series ready. That's it. You know, it's I'm committed to it and it's going. And I have I I can't tell you how excited I am to see how it turns out. Uh, I wish I could. I can tell you it's a new series, and I can tell you that uh, the character has appeared once on the podcast and. Um, but but don't don't dig too don't overwork yourself to figure it out um, because you might be disappointed and be like oh is it, it's not going to be um, everyone's favorite uh, it's not someone that's a favorite it's a sleeper character so it's not um, Orange Lux I don't think Orange Lux is you know I can't but it, it's not Orange Lux but it, but it's a sleeper character but yeah we're launching that so it's going to be I'm excited. But first, we got to see what happens with Agatha. So thank you all for your iTunes reviews. And if I missed you somehow, let me know. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm praying to the gods. I'm sorry, gods. I was thanking the listeners and not you. Oh, boy, please don't smote any of them because of my blasphemies. You just go ahead and smote me. Oh, well, you smoted the website this week, smoted the RSS feed, kind of smoted that surgery. Uh... You know, other stuff that happened in Florida. You guys smoted about, I would say, six years. You guys shaved off my life. So, yeah, you're. I've already been smoted. Already been smoted. Already been brotted. Already been brought smoted. Thank you, gods. Um, so take your smoting. I guess I would encourage smoting if I t- said to take your smote and smote it, or you know, shove it. Uh, so I won't do that. I take that part back. All of it. I take it all back like a goonie taking coins out of a fountain. I take all of it back because uh, down here, as as as, as uh, the defenestrator likes to say, it's our. I always, I'm I I'm always the one that messes up the goonie quotes, and then one of my siblings has to say that's not how it goes. But down here, it's our time, gods out there. Up there in God land, it's your time. Um, Bran, Bran, is it Bran, Brent, Bran, Andy, Andy, you goonie. All right, let's get on the show. All right, thanks. All right, guys, uh, it's, uh, season three, episode nine, Reigns of Casimir. I think it's April. What, what the hell is the date again? April 2nd, I think today is. It's Thursday, 8.40 p.m. Not that that's important. I mean, what's important is that week, week from when you're hearing this, or two weeks. I don't know. Game of Thrones gonna be starting up again. I gotta, I gotta figure out. Uh, 
that Apple HBO thing, but I'll be ready. Don't worry. I heard Sling TV's adding it, so I'll fix I cut the cord, but I'm not cutting it. You know, can't cut that out. But I got to tell you guys, a little uh, take a ride in the Wayback Machine with me or whatever the hell it's called because this is the episode um, that almost started the podcast. I said to myself after watching this episode like three or four times, I, now I did not see what was – this episode was really important for me in a couple of ways. One, I, I didn't follow through and start the podcast right after it when I, when I should have. And it was so good. I said to myself, after the third or fourth time I saw it, I said, well, you know, if I did every season and I'd get back to here by the time the next season would start, you know, season four, uh, that would give me something to do. Now I'd start the podcast down the road. I don't know when the hell from maybe a year and a half after or seven months. I don't know. But um, that was one thing. The other thing was I was pretty – uh, well, we'll talk. We don't need to talk about it. It was just, my, you know, my alcohol trouble. It, it was the first couple of times, I, the first time I saw the episode, I didn't know it was coming. And I was fairly intoxicated. And uh, I woke up the next morning. I was like, was that a, that must have been a dream what happened in that episode because that couldn't have happened as I remembered. And then I was trying to remember, how, you know, how much I remembered because I was drunk. And I said, oh, I think, I don't even think I remembered it accurately, but I remembered some things. And I think I watched it again. I was still the next night. I don't know. But anyway, you know, that that would come to, that would come to a end like the end of that episode. My, you know, ongoing, you know, that was the end of that. That relationship was soon to come to a close, me and uh, alcohol. So those were things that that episode uh, – so I, I had actually like thought about – I started outlining the episode, though. That was a thing. So I know some of the stuff. I think one thing I, I would, I would – I'm going to talk about eventually tonight was like – I was like, hey, this could be the podcast. I already had the idea for the podcast, but I was like, why don't I get started now? And then I said, no. Again, self-critic. That's a, that's a dumb idea. Boring podcast, silly podcast. But part of me didn't give up, and I finally, you know, did it for you guys. But anyway, let's take a look at uh, this episode here. Oh, yeah, it starts out with uh, night sounds and then, you know, crickets, just like we're in Florida. And there's a close-up of a map, all these beautiful chess-type pieces, and then Rob and Caitlin are uh, talking about it. He's selling her strat- the strategy. She says, why are you telling me? And then Rob kind of makes this, like, indirect apology by asking her for advice. And then he says, well, you know, we got enough people to say, if Walter Frey cooperates. And then Rob talks about his plan to capture Castle Rock. And, well, what's going to happen? And they said, well, you know, if we do lose, we'll be trapped. Uh, but we'll lose the way Father died or something. And then Cat says, uh, uh, show them how it feels to lose uh, something you, they love or someone they love. And then we got the wolf in the lead, the next scene. A bunch of ho- Rob's men on horses. I was like, I thought that was cool, wolf in the lead. And then they, you see the twins, the bridge. And then the next shot is of salt and bread, which is some sort of tradition. And they kind of have this, like, ceremonial type thing. He says, uh, Frey says, uh, my honored guests... 
Welcome to my walls and my table. I extend to you my hospitality and protection in the light of the seven. And then the rabbi's like, thank you for your hospitality. I've come to make my apologies. He says, don't make this. Uh, he says, don't apologize to me. Apologize to the girls. And he starts listing all their names. You know, one of them was going to be Queen. You got Arwen. Walda. Derwa. Waldra. Gina. Neela. Sarah, Sarah, those were twins. Uh, Marianne, Freya, Wertha, Waldra. Is that the second time? Yeah, Waldina. Then when she says, no, Mary, not Waldina. He's like, fine. And then he's Cherie. She's not a woman yet. And then Rob makes this long, heartfelt apology to them, or kind of heartfelt. And then Frey, he says, I'll make amends to you. And then Walder, he gives them the, uh, he gives Rob a slow clap. He's got gloves on. And I'm like, yeah, you don't look like you have the best circulatory system anyway. But, uh, and then he calls Talissa closer. He starts a dirty, he's a dirty old man. He says, like, uh, he says, oh, I can't see you've come closer. And he talks about her body. She's trying to hide her body. And Rob's like, well, you wouldn't have brought her here if you were trying to hide her. And he says, anyone would, uh, you know, betray an old man like me for a beautiful woman. But he says it in a much lecherous, more lecherous way. And Rob has to say, okay, so, you know, he has to eat his words. And Frey says, you know, we're going to set everybody up with food and wine or food and ale. He goes, uh... The wine will flow red, the music will play loud, and we'll put this mess behind us. Then we got Dario and uh, everyone else looking at these maps, more maps. And Dario's talking about the back, uh, back gates and how that's how they used to get in there uh, to visit the uh, the prostitutes of Yunkai. And he, he says, I have no interest in slaves. A man cannot make love to property. But Jor doesn't really trust him. He, I love this line. One of the best lines. He says, you have a very suspicious mind, and in my experience, only dishonest people think that way. And those words are very uh, prescient, I think is the right word. And then uh, Khaleesi asks Grey Worm. She said, Jor doesn't trust him. What about Grey Worm? Grey Worm's like, I could trust him. And I like, I like you're the leader now. Uh, I think my sweet interpreter says that. And then there's a little thing between Jorah and Barristan where you like, Bar get the idea they don't like each other. And Jorah's like, you have to stay here and protect the queen, old man. And he says, uh, I, I, I got my eye on you, scumbag. So we have, we have Sam and Gilly, and they're walking and talking about the Black Gate. And uh, uh, Sam could be, I have a boring, but he's like, oh, Westa Castle, Black Knights Fort's closest is the first castle on the wall. Got abandoned because it's too big. He goes, uh, other than Castle Black, the Night Fort's a good castle because it's got a secret sally port, the Black Gate, as old as the wall. No one's used it. Goes from the into the Night Fort so I can find it. And she says, how do you know? He says, I read in a book. She says, you're like a wizard. And then Gilly says, you know, no wildling would ever see the wall and live. And then she sees it. Here we are, alive. And then I've, I was just followed up by a, a mule or some, a jackass going, here. And then the hound and Arya, they see this guy fixing the wagon. 
the hound's like, you need a hand. The guy's like, eight hands. And the hound just lifts up the, the wagon. And he's like, I got to get this salt pork to the wedding. And then the hound knocks the guy over. And Daria's like, don't, don't kill him. He's like, rats, dead rats don't talk. And Daria, Daria says, this is a good one. He says, you're so dangerous, you know, scaring little girls, you know, killing boys and old people. You're a real, a real hard man you are. And he says, more than anyone you know. And Daria's like, you're wrong. I know someone that's tougher than you, a, ki- a real killer. And uh, he says, that's so. And she says, you'd be a kid to him. He'd take you out with his finger. And then the hound says, well, is this guy him? He says, no. And he says, you know, don't kill him. And he says, you're going to regret it. And then we got Bran and Rickon and the crew, and they're talking about wildlings. They see this old mill or whatever that old tower was. And I think they're in some area called the Gift, which was from somebody gave it to Brandon. The builder gave it to the Night's Watch. Is that right? Um, and the next scene is John and the wildlings, and they're about to take this guy's horses. And now we see the similarities between John and Ari, because John's trying to protect the guy's life. So let's not kill him, let's just take his horses. And then uh, on the way of the attack, they're like, no, 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 we're going to kill him and take his horses. And then John scares the horses, so the guy runs, and he scares the guy off. John scares the guy off, I guess, or he runs and he gets a great not to take him out. And then we're back with Arya and the Hound. And uh, she, we get a nice view of the twins and the, the camp and smoke's rising up. And she's got this forlorn face. And she says, like, no one's going to believe you're a hog farmer if you eat all the, the pork. And he's eating the foot. He's like, this is the best part of the animal. He's like, don't worry. Quit being anxious. Your family's still there. She says, I know. But he's like, you check every five minutes because you're scared. She's like, I'm not afraid. And he's like, of course you are. You're almost there, and you're afraid you're not going to make it. The closer you get, the worse your fear gets. No no point trying to hide behind your face. I know fear when I've seen it. I see it a lot. And uh, she says, I knew fear when I saw it in you, fire boy. And she's like, you went back, sort of lit up. You, you are going to cry like a little baby. And she's like, I know why. And this is like the best one. She has a, she has this little accent. And he, she says, he pressed your face to the fire like you were a nice juicy mutton chop. And he says, that gives you some ideas? She's like, yeah, it might do for you. And he says, go ahead and run for it. And then, you know, he gets me and says, well, you know. And she says, don't worry, Hound, I'm going to get you. And then, boom, we got thunder and lightning and uh, they're talking about how are they going to get past the wall, Bran and his crew. You know, how are we going to get over? It's too high, too long. Osha's like, well, we came in through the Bay of Seals. And Bran's like, you know, somebody's like, we'll never get there. Even Hordor can't climb over the wall with us. And then the Hordor, Hordor, Hordor starts freaking out about the thunder. He's making all sorts of noise. And then, the, you know, the uh, wildlings are down there. Someone's down there. And I think the, the wolves are outside. And uh, the hoarder is getting more and more nervous. And then pr- finally, uh, Rand wargs him to quiet down. He makes him sit down or something. And then we're outside of the, there with uh, 
Tormund dealing with the guy that ran on the horse, the horse master, and then the guy from the office whose name I already forgot, Orrell. He says, you know, make the crow kill him. And John's like, yeah, I'm not really in the kill. You know, my, my shoulder's acting up. We were back in the tower, and uh, Jojen's selling Bran to Wargate and Warg the Wolves to, you know, create a distraction to keep them safe. You know, he's like, Wolf's nothing. I've never seen anybody control a human. You can do it. And then we're back outside, and Morel's like, you know, we can't trust this guy. He's not going to kill him. And uh, what's his name? Torment's like, come on, take him out. And they're like, he's a crow, and he's got his crow wife here. They're traitors. And then it's like, I think it flashes back, and then Jojen's like, come on, Bran, control the wolves. And then John go, can't do it, and so Agreed takes the guy out. And then John starts fight, fighting the wildlings, and Tormund's trying to protect Agreed, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what he's trying to do there. And then, the, you know, at some point the wolves get involved. I, I don't know, I get mixed up. And then Bran fights Arell. Takes Sorel out, but he escapes into a bird. Now I'm not sure if that uh, how that applies to his soul or whatever, but the bird messes up John's face. And then the strangest thing is that John just ditches agree like right like that. He hops on a horse. He's out. He's like, not even a kiss goodbye to her. You know nothing, John Snow. You know at least give her one last maybe or take her. I don't know. She loved you. And then we're at the gates of uh, the city with uh, Jorah, Dario, and uh, Grey Worm. And let me just say this, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, any actor's feelings. But this guy's so good as Dario. I can't believe they couldn't work it out because he's so confident and just the right amount of cockiness. He says, uh, he says you know, I'm going to whistle you guys come. He says, I- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a great whistler, the greatest in the land. Uh, I just love that. And then he goes in. He goes in. He takes out a couple of guards. Grey Worm and Jorah go in. Then this big crew of dudes show up, and the three of them fight like they've been fighting for their whole lives together. Really cool sequence. They're different styles, uh, good action. And then another huge group comes, and it cuts. And then we got all Rob's men drunk from their wrestling and, and partying. And then the wedding starts. We got this big set, but it's a contrast to our last wedding. It's got all this, like, wood and candles and stone, much more simple. But a beautiful wife, or uh, whatever Blackfish's son's name is, it'll come to me. And there's lots of people looking at each other with amusement or, or different faces. The girl, the wife, she even looks over at Rob. She looks a little bit disappointed she wasn't marrying Rob. Because she looks at, oh, Edmure, Edmure or whatever, and then she's like, well, I guess he's no Rob. There's a huge guy with a mustache behind Rob, and that's next to Bruce Bolton. I don't know who that guy was, but I wrote that down. Uh, almost like uh, Bluto or uh, some character from Mario or something. And then Blackfish gets a look from a couple of ladies, and he says, oh, you know, I'm, no thank you. And then we're back in the tower, and they're busting out candles. And Jojen's talking about how Bran's power to control humans is unique. And Osha and Bran are having an argument. She's like, you're going to take uh, Rickon and his walnut habit. 
and go to the last hearth and see the umbers, and I'll do that. Then we go back. We got Khaleesi. She's Khaleesi. She's worried, but then Jorah and Grey Worm show up, and he's like, you were right. The, the slave soldiers threw down their swords. And she's like, what about Dario Naharis, the, the great whistler? I love whistling. And Jorah's face, it was worth a million dollars, the face he gave. Uh, look, look, oh, my goodness. And then uh, Dario shows up. He's got some banner. He does some, some very uh, smooth moves, lays it down for the Khaleesi. And he says, Unkai is yours, my sweet, uh, sweet, sweet desert flower, or some, you know, something smooth. Uh, and then we're back to the wedding. You got a cool-looking band playing. Everybody's in good spirits laughing, drinking. You got Roos laughing at something. Rob and Talissa are... Uh, uh, flirting and uh, oh, like Rob is doing something. Talissa's talking to some fray dude. That's right. And then you have Edmir flirting it up with his wife. He's so happy. He's very uh, a goofball. And then we have uh, Cat and the Blackfish, and he's like uh, he complained the whole time about this marriage. Now look at him. The gods love to reward a fool. And then we get Lord Bolton doesn't drink. He turns down drinking. This is the second time he says, I don't partake. And then Cat gives a serious look uh, to his face. It gives him a serious face. They put on Roos's bridge. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh, but Roos, goes, she goes, oh, did you marry uh, one, one of the Frey girls? He said, yeah, Walter, let me choose any girl. Uh, you know, give me her weight in silver and it's a dowry. So I have a fat young bride, and Kat's like, well, I hope she makes you happy. Maybe I said bride and not bridge, I guess. And he said, well, she's made me very rich. And Kat doesn't really, Kat seems to suddenly believe in true love now. I don't know. And then the blackfish is like, I got to go pee on a tree. And then Rob's like, oh, dear, my mom's the Lord alone with Bruce Bolton. Maybe I should rescue her. And uh, Tulsa's like, your mother does not need a rescue. And then they're getting super flirty, you know. And she's like, I, I like her, but she, if I had my way, she'd have me back. And Volana's playing my harp. But, you know, Rob's making the moves on her. She's like, well, let's not distra- insult anybody here. And then uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Frey says, oh, your grace. The Septon has prayed his prayers. Some words were said, and Lord Edmir has wrapped my daughter in a cloak, but they're not man and wife. And he says some more dirty old man stuff about sex. He says, a wedding needs a bedding. And then they say, let's send him to bed. And then Edmir, he's so happy. He's like, oh, don't we set the monster free, girls? And then we so we go a bunch of shots. This is like the face reaction wedding, where the last setting was the walk-away wedding. So you have Edmir's face. Then we have like a Roosevelt non-plus face. We got a Talissa concerned or appalled face. And then Talissa's like, that's a strange costume. And then Rob's like, yeah, I'm sure it's someone from out of town. But it's a tradition. You know, without the ceremony, we don't know they consummated their marriage. And then they're like, oh, well, you're pregnant. You know, there's other ways with like a little baby. And then she says, you know, I'm thinking about naming him. He's like, oh, really? And she's like, Eddard. He's like, oh. She says, don't you want to teach little Ned Stark how to ride horses? 
And he says, yeah, I do. And then Kat watches this guy go and lock the doors, and she's still got this face on. And then they start playing, and so it goes. Opening notes of Reigns of Casimir, and we're like, uh-oh. And then you hear a wolf cry, and the Hound and Arya are making, trying to get to the wedding. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we got the feast. And he's like, the feast is over. And the Hound's like, it doesn't seem like it. And he's like, if I say it's over, just get the heck out of here. He's like, no, I got pig's feet. He's like, what are you, dense? Get out of here. And that's where it's clear. Then it's clear. It's like, oh, no, something's about to happen. And the first couple of times I was drunk, so maybe I didn't even know if something was happening yet. But then you got uh, Frey, he raises his hand and he says, Your grace, I'd be remiss in my duties. I've given you meat and wine and music, but I haven't shown you the hospitality you deserve. My king is married, and I owe the queen a wedding gift. And then, boom, his stuff starts. His uh, uh, slaughter begins, I guess, the only way to say it. Oh, actually, at some point, I missed it back up. Uh, Roos gives Kat this super cool look. I mean, ice cold look, not cool, cool. And she gets a sad look. It gives a sad look back, and then she checks it, and she sees his chain mail. And then that's when everything goes crazy. And then we go back out and we see Arya watching all Rob's men get taken out. She's hiding. They take out the wolf. And then the hound saves her. But it's too late for everybody else. And uh, Talissa and Rob get taken out. And Kat's like climbing under the tables. And then Rob crawls over to Talissa. And Frey raises his hand and says, The king in the north arises. Hold on. And then Kat says, You know, enough, Walder, enough. You know, it's my only, my first son. You know, let him go and we'll forget all about this. You know, I swear by the old gods and the new, no vengeance. And he's like, You already swore an oath to all of you. And uh, you didn't follow through on that. And she's like, well, let it, let us go. And uh, she's like, Rob, get up and get out of here. And Frey's like, I'm not going to let you. Nobody's walking out of here. And then Cat takes out Frey's wife, and then they take out Cat. I think Roos uh, is uh, the last thing he says, the Lannisters send their regards. And that is why I sang the song, uh, Roos, Roos, I rue you, rue you, Roos Bolton, which I'll probably sing again at the end of the episode tonight because uh, such a, uh, um, I don't know, what a double cross by Roos Bolton. Walter Frey kind of, he was a scumbag to b- b- begin with, but Roos Bolton for a short time was Rob's right-hand man, though he's kind of a little uppity. So I kind of pity when I say I ruin him. I say, well, oh, this guy deserves a fate, a horrible fate, which hopefully he'll get. And I also ruin. I don't know. I like saying I ruin you. Uh, it sounds angry. Uh, so maybe I'm misusing it, but I'm. I can also use it properly. But that's the episode. A sad, sad, surprising episode. I hope I didn't spoil it for anybody. Because if you didn't know it was coming, like I did, it was a shocker in a good way. I guess, or a bad way, or a um, visceral way. Uh, so that's Reigns of Castamere, 
And uh, so that's what, that's what, yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about this? We're going to talk about astrolabs. We're going to talk about the Parando Paradox. We're going to talk about Red and Salt, Light, Night of Fort, Last Hearth, uh, Somber warg, Wargs. We're going to talk about Dario Naharis uh, and actors. And that'll be a spoiler for season four, but, you know, oh boy. We're going to talk about whistling. And we're going to talk about the actor that plays uh, Roos Bolton, who I rue. So, uh, so that's it, all right? And, you know, all the episodes of Game of Thrones open with a wonderful opening sequence we love so much. Do, 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 and, and the sound effects and the, the beautiful buildings building themselves. And I say, I always say to myself, what the hell is that thing? Is it an astrolab? And then I usually say, what the hell's Astrolab? And I said, well, this time I'm going to look it up. I did not look it up if that thing is an Astrolab. Unfortunately, I said, well, what's an Astrolab? Maybe I should get my vocabulary nailed down. So I headed over, I mean, I headed Google. Google led me to Astrolabs.org. And uh, let's just, let's, uh, oh, it's got about the Astrolab website. So we'll read it. It's uh, copyright 2010 Janus. I don't know, so I think maybe a god, Greek gods in charge of this website, but uh, Astrolab, an instrument with a past and a future from astrolabs.org. And they say, paraphrasing, it's an ancient astronomical computer for solving problems related to time, the position of the sun and the stars in the sky. Uh, several types of astrolabs have been made. By far, the most popular type is a planospheric astrolab and a uh, celestial spheres projected onto a plane of the equator, uh, usually made of brass, uh, six inches, fifteen centimeters. Though it could be bigger or smaller, and they're used to show how the sky looks at a specific place at a given time. This is done. The sky is on the face of the astrolab, and marking it. Oh. And marking it so positions are easy to find in the sky. To use an astrolab, you adjust the movable components to a specific date and time. Uh, once set, most of the sky, visible and invisible, is represented on the face of the instrument. This is brilliant. And this allows a great many astronomical problems to be solved in a visual way. You find the time during the day or night. Uh, find the time of a celestial event such as sunrise or sunset, a handy reference of celestial positions. And they were one of the basic astronomy education tools in the Middle Ages. Uh, a typical astrolab is not a navigational instrument, though there is a mariner's astrolab that was used in the Renaissance. Uh, the history of the astrolab begins more than 2,000 years ago. The principles of astrolab projection were known before 150 B.C., and true astrolabs were made before 400 A.D. Uh, the astrolab was developed in the Islamic world by 800, doesn't say A.D., though, and introduced to Europe uh, through uh, Spain, Islamic Spain, in the 12th century. Uh, it was the most popular astronomical instrument until the 1650s when it was replaced by something different, more shiny. About the astrolab website, this page is a... Definitions of uh, planospheric astrolab principles. Uh, doesn't have any good credits for the page. 
So over on the same astrolab.org, uses of the astrolab in the 10th centuries, Abd al-Ramin, Abd al-Ramin, Umar al-Sufi, uh, wrote a detailed treaty on uh, the astrolab with 386 chapters, described a thousand uses for the astrolab. Perhaps they say he could have uh, overstated the flexibility of the astrolab, but they can solve many problems that would otherwise need more sophisticated mathematics. Okay, so that's the uses. Uh, history of the astrolab, let's bump over there. Uh, it's a brief overview, okay. By the origins of Astrolab were in classical Greece of 225 BC. It was a codifier of conic sensions, sections. Uh, probably studied Astrolab projection. The most influential individual of Astrolab projection was Hipparchus, uh, born in Nicaea in Asia Minor. Uh, that's now in Turkey around 180 BC. He studied and worked on the islands of Rhodes. I wonder if the, uh, was that the Colossus of Rhodes was there? Uh, Parkus also worked, you know, whatever, sorry, sir, um, discovered the uh, procession of the equinoxes, was influential in development of trigonometry. So smart guys were working on this thing. The earliest evidence of use of stereographic projection in a machine was in the writing of the Roman author and architecture. Uh, Marcus Vitorvius Polio, uh, who describes an anamorphic clock in Alexandria. It had a rotating field of stars behind a wire frame indicating the hours of the day. The wire framework and the star locations were constructed using the stereographic projection. Similar constructions dated from the 1st to 3rd century have been found in Salzburg in northeastern France. So such uh, mechanisms were apparently fairly widespread among Romans. The first major writer on the projection was uh, Ptolemy, Claudius Ptolemy, who wrote it extensively in his work known as Planispherium. Uh, early Astrolabs, uh, Fion of Alexandria wrote a treaty about Astrolabs, Cineus of Cyrene, uh, you know, as we said, in the astrolabs in Islam, uh, in the Islamic world in the mid-8th century, uh, it was de fully developed. The treaties on the astrolab were published in the 9th century, and the astrolab was inherently valuable to Islam uh, because of its ability to determine astronomically defined prayer times as an aid to finding the direction of Mecca. Uh, and it must be noted that astrology was a deeply embedded element of early Islamic culture, and astrology was one of the principal uses of the astrolab. Astrolab in Europe, it moved with Islam through North America into Spain, where it was introduced to uh, European culture through Christian monasteries in northern Spain. It's likely that information about the astrolab was available in Europe as early as the 11th century, but not widespread until the 13th or 14th centuries. The earliest were used in uh, Spain with Latin words engraved alongside the original Arabic. It is likely the, the European use of Arabic star names was influenced by these imported astrolabs. Uh, by the end of the 12th century, there was at least a half dozen competent astrolab treaties in Latin 
and there were hundreds available a century later. Uh, you know, the Prague still has their clock, which was constructed in 1410. I think I've seen that clock. So that's a little bit about astrolabes, doesn't it? I guess like it's a flat thing. So it probably means that either it's a three-dimensional astrolab or it's not an astrolab. Uh, but astrolab is a really nice word to say. Like if you want to, if you're still awake, you know, go ahead and say it to yourself, astrolab, astrolab. Well, I guess if you're tired, it doesn't have the same, it's almost spherical when you say it, astrolab, astrolab. It could be the name of a superhero, you know, boy and his uh, um, superhero dog who would, be, you know, be a lab. Astrolab, come here, boy. Uh, that's another good use for the word astrolab. Uh, I guess, uh, per, per, you know, dudes, uh, you know, if you, you know, hey, baby, you want to come back to my astrolab? Yeah, I have a, you know, astro. I guess you'd have to back it up, though, and have an actual... Like at least space, you know, round bed would help. If you have a round bed, there you go. Start calling it your astrolab. You know, if you start dating scientists, you'll be in trouble. Or astronomy enthusiasts. But, you know, astrolab. You know, maybe you should just say it randomly to people. Uh, Where the hell's the Jenkins report? Astrolab. I'm sorry, what did you say to me? I said, uh... It's on your desk. I thought you said Astrolab. No, but that's a. Have you? Did you start watching the Astrolab show, the Astrolab and Billy show? All right. Let's move on to the next topic. All right. So this is a trip in the wayback machine to when I thought about the podcast and actually started working on it, but then I still didn't have the uh, either the rigor or the gumption or the courage to follow through. I said, well, one day. And I was obsessed with this Reigns of Casimir Red Wedding episode. So, and I think maybe I was a harsher man back then, maybe not. I mean, I guess maybe. But I remember, I can remember this. I was on BART, uh, which is our rapid transit, our subway train system here in the Bay Area. And I can remember saying to myself, uh, well, one thing, and I guess now re-watching the episode, I'm, I don't remember... Uh, what, uh, what's his name? Uh, the jerk guy in this episode, uh, Walder Frey, what his wife looked like. But I remember at the time I was like, okay, they, that's a pretty, uh, unattractive family. The Freys, uh, like when he's he's horribly, uh, gr- gross looking to me and his children, large amount of grease matted hair on both the men and the women. And I, so I said to myself, uh, and then, uh, you know, the punchline is that the one daughter that was going to marry Rob, that ended up marrying um, uh, whatever the buffoon's name is, the Blackfish's kid. Uh, he, he, you know, she was beautiful, uh, young but beautiful, and then he was like, he was tickled pink. Uh, so I remember saying, what are the odds of, uh, I guess I was thinking that he was married to someone else because I remember at the time being like, what is the odd? of two really unattractive people with all these unattractive kids, uh, you know, having a beautiful child. And that's, uh, you know, it's something to think about. I don't know what to say. And uh, so I Googled, and I remember having some hard times finding anything. And then I remember remember being on the bar train and this website coming up, which I still have here. And um, 
uh, the title is, this is from datagenetics.com, so any complaints send here. Uh, it says, uh, how can two ugly parents make a beautiful baby? Uh, but this guy's using it to teach uh, 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 math. So I'm going to read it. Oh, who, who wrote it? Uh, I guess it's written by Data Genetics as the website. And it's really long and really boring, but it talks about Parando's Paradox. In today's posting, you're going to look into Parando's Paradox, named after Juan Parando, a Spanish physicist. Uh, Parando's par Paradox is a count, one of those counterintuitive puzzles to which your first reaction is going to be, no way that can't be correct. And, you know, you might want to research it. Yeah, but he, this uh, data genetics is going to show how it's possible. So here's the setup. Imagine there's two casino games, A and B. Each game is random. Each of them has the odds stacked against the player. And they have a, so that you're going to lose over time. Each time either game is played, you either win. If you win, you win a dollar. If you lose, you lose a dollar. If you play a game A continuously, you'll gradually lose money. The longer you play, the more money you'll lose. Similarly, if you play B, you'll gradually lose money. However, what if I told you that if you alternate playing these two games in this pattern, A, B, B, A, B, B, A, B, B, the odds will switch to your favor, question mark, question mark. Huh, that's right. By alternating play, don't, don't test this advice out, though. Uh, you can uh, make these two losing games into a money-making exercise uh, due to Parando's paradox. Well, let's start out with our discussion about a neutral game. Imagine we have a totally fair and unbiased coins 50-50 when it's flipped. And we start out with $0 and flip the coin. If it's heads, we win a dollar. If it's tails, we lose a dollar. And we play the game over and over. After multiple flips, our balance will go up and down. But the average will be break even, about break-even. Uh, but it'll be an up-and-down curve described as the drunken man's walk. If we repeated this many, many thousands of times, the, the, the jitters would be smoothed out. And, uh, you know, you know, basically you'd break even. So that's a, what do they call that? That's a neutral game. Now let's talk about game A. That's a fair game, but let's look at our first losing game, game A. It's played with a coin, but this is an unfair coin bias against the player. So the probability, the chance of winning is 0.5. Oh, that doesn't make sense already. And the chance of losing game A is 0.5. Hmm. So I'm already confused, I guess. But for calculations, for this posting, they're going to use a value of uh, 0 0.005. So for point A, the probability, I guess he changed, oh no. So actually the chance would be, uh, he says, uh, 0.495 to win and 0 0.5050 to lose. So if you play it over time, you're gonna you're gonna lose, and if you start to play it over millions of games, you're gonna lose a lot, and it show he shows that on a graph where your balance will just keep shooting down and down. So that's a game A. Game B is a little more complex, but it's also a losing game. This game you have two different coins to flip instead of one. If you determine which coin to flip, you look at the current value of cash balance and. Uh, you're already losing me here. The money we have is uh, a multiple of the three we flip the first coin 
If the money in our current balance is not a multiple of three, we flip the second coin. So coin B1, a.k.a. the bad coin, if your current balance is a multiple of three, you have a 1 in 10 chance of winning and a 9 in 10 chance of losing. But coin B2, a.k.a. the good coin, if the balance is not a multiple of three, you have a three-quarter chance of winning and a one-quarter chance of losing. As you can see, coins have very different probabilities. Coin B is brutal, giving you less than a 10% chance of winning. Uh, thankfully, we only flip this coin if our current cash balance is a multiple of three. Coin B2 gives the player uh, just less than a 75% chance of winning. It's hard to tell by looking at the formula, but this game's also a losing game. Uh, and if you look at it in a map, it goes down. Pretty much at the same rate as the other one. Like over 500 flips in both of them, you'll lose about 5 bucks. And then he provides a mathematical proof of this. But back to the paradox, we're going to skip the math. <laughs> uh, now we've shown both games played by themselves are losing propositions. Uh, we have a graph of A, the ABBBA though, suddenly you start winning money at a similar rate. It goes up over time with this combination of games if you do A, B, B, A. This is Parando's Paradox. We've turned two losing games into a winning game. Uh, different combinations of sequence A, B produce different results. Some win money, some don't. So what's going on? I'm getting confused. This is what I'm... Uh, the key to understanding is that the two games are not independent because you have that... Uh, Recalling back to the Markov analysis of game B, we learned that the probability distribution for a moduli of cash balance is not uniform alternating. Alternating the games allows the system to move more likely to get into a state in which the good coin is flipped, and this particular coin is biased in the favor of the player. The combination games allow the system to ratchet up the winnings. For instance, it's hard to imagine the system getting the... I'm, I'm, I'm not good at this at all. I'm confused. Uh, some other examples. He, he has an article on the game Shoots and Ladders. Okay, let's skip that. Um, yeah, he said, have you ever shaken a tin and mixed nuts? If you do, you would have found that paradoxically the heavier nuts float to the surface against the gravity, gra gravity gravy and the smaller nuts shrink to the bottom. What's going on? Well, the smaller nuts are able to find the small gaps and imperfections in the nestling of the nuts and work their way down the tin with the shaking. The larger nuts are not able to get through the gaps. This uh, phenomenon gets a lot of fun names, but it's called granular convection, or the muesli effect, or the Brazil nut effect. Another famous one is the Martin Gardner puzzle about a man with two girlfriends in the subway station. In this pu puzzle, a man has two girlfriends, both of which he likes equally. One lives uptown, the other downtown. He decides to let chance determine which he visits each day. Uh, wow, this guy. So each day he goes to the subway at a random time, stands up, doesn't he have a job? And he takes the first train that comes. The same number of trains travel uptown as downtown. This is like an SAT quest. I feel this. if there's the seven hells, this would be the hell I'd be stuck in just reading this stuff and trying to comprehend it. Same number of trains travel uptown as downtown, and though he arrives at the station at a totally random time, 
Each day he finds out that he's visiting the girl downtown over, over ten times more as a girl uptown what's going on. Uh, the solution is that even though the trains arrive with the same frequency, the downtown train departs just a few minutes after the uptown train has departed. Because of this, there's only a narrow time window in which the man is able to get on the uptown train. And then he just says, if they married and had children, do you think they would be beautiful? So that's just as confusing as me when I looked it up a long time ago, and I don't think, I think we got uh, whatever clickbaited, even, I've, so I was clickbaited by the article twice. Um, it doesn't answer our question, it only confuses me, but it's perfect for, hopefully some of you fell asleep on that. I know uh, one of my buddies out there who uh, loves looking at a map, hopefully Erica will get back to me with some, you know, math explanation of it um but yeah that's so that was a little bit about paradondo's paradox paradox to me is like i think my brain is my brain feels like melted ice cream right now uh before the wedding starts when they first get to the twins they have a little ceremony with bread and salt so i want to look that up in a it's a real world tradition in many european cultures uh it's known by uh, different Slavic names uh, in Belarus, Bulgaria, Macedonia, Croatia, Serbia, Poland, Slovakia, Czech, Czech, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Slovenia, Russia, Ukrainian, and also Lith- non-Slavic nations, Lithuania and Romania, uh, but they're that are close to Slavic nations. Just a little note I had my birthday a couple months ago and we ate at a Lithuanian restaurant excellent I love uh, I love the Eastern European food I don't know if I don't know if that's Eastern Europe but uh, when important respect or admire guests arrives they are presented with a loaf of bread placed on an embroidered towel a salt holder or cellar is placed on the top of the bread loaf and secured in a hole on the top of the loaf in modern Russia, on official occasions, the bread and salt is presented by young women dressed in national costumes. When this tradition is observed in space flight, appropriately small packages of bread and salt are used. Cultural associations Bulgaria, bread and salt is traditional Bulgarian costume. This is all from Wikipedia, by the way, showing the guest is welcome. Usually, the guests are presented with the pogacha, pog. Ach, ah, pogacha, and the guest is supposed to take a small piece, dip it in the salt, and eat it. Uh, an example of this custom is when the Russians liberated Bulgaria from the Ottomans. At the end of the 18th, 19th century, there was a common scene of a Bulgarian woman welcoming Russian soldiers with bread and salt as a sign of gratitude. Uh, there's a picture of uh, Joe Biden here doing a little bread and salt dip in the Ukraine. Uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia still practice in the Czech Republic and Slovakia for special occasions, uh, for example, when uh, Joe Biden shows up. But that's in Ukraine. But, yeah, presidents in other countries. Uh, Russia gave rise to a word that expresses a person's hospitality. Helbosni. 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 I don't think that's, I don't know if it's close, but I think Holbosni. It's K H L E. Holbosni. What was Holbosni. Bosni. Holbosni. I don't know. That means bread associated with Russian culture, hospitality. 
Bread being a respected food and salt associated with long friendship. And Poland welcoming with bread and salt is associated with uh, Staropolska Gosinoche. Gosinoche. Uh, of Polish nobility who prided themselves on the hospitality. In uh, the 17th century Polish poet, Wespazan Kochowski wrote, uh, Oh, good bread when it is given to guests and salt with goodwill. And it's also, uh, we, we've got uh, entries about Macedonia, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Germany, uh, in in different uh, and 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 in a few other cultures. So that's a little bit about bread and salt. And I want to catch up on some Game of Thrones facts. So the Night Fort, Sam and Gilly are headed for his ruined castle on the wall. This is all from the Game of Thrones wikia. Uh, West the castle black. It was abandoned because there wasn't enough Night's Watch to man it. It's the oldest castle on the wall. Uh, predating Castle Black by centuries, if not millennia. It is ill omened, but some stories say it holds a great secret of the watch. It also served as the seat of the Night King, who had been seduced by a woman from beyond the wall. He brought her to the. Oh, he got was involved with the White Walkers, but he was defeated in the north uh, by Brandon the Breaker and the king beyond the wall, Moon, who joined forces to uh, get rid of him. And then they're looking for the night gate in there. Another place that came up is the last hearth. That's where they're going to send Bran or Rickon in uh, Osha. It's the seat of the house umber, a vassal holding fealty. It was also one of the places Theon Greyjoy thought he might have been. The House Umber, uh, he'll live at the last house, and they hold fealty to the uh, the Starks. Their lands are in the far north, uh, just south of the Wall. Uh, their castle's the last hearth, and their lord is the lord of the last hearth. Their sigil is four chains, linked by a central ling, and their motto is not known. And then Lord Great John lived there. Uh, what about a warg, you ask? What's a warg is a people with the ability to enter minds of animals and perceive the world through their senses and control their actions. The act of doing this is called warging. Uh, ability starts out as vivid, vivid dreams where they see and perceive the world through animals. Over time and practice, they can enter the mind of an animal at will. A warg's human body will become comatose. Uh, warging is a separate ability from green sight, like a psychic power, but some wargs have that as well. They cannot easily enter humans' minds. Uh, it is incredibly traumatic for a warg if the animal uh, passes away while they're controlling it, but they could survive it. If a warg's own body is killed while in the animal, however, the warg's human consciousness can live on in that animal. I don't know. It doesn't say for how long, though. So that was a, that's a little bit catching up on some Game of Thrones terms there. Okay, I think we talked about this at the start of Season 4 when we did those podcasts a long time ago. But it, I have to touch on it again. It's like, um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Season 4, 
But Dario Naharis, the actor, changes from this guy uh, to another guy. So I wanted to learn. I wanted to talk about it. I think maybe I talked about it in the past. Maybe I didn't. And, and I guess I hate to take sides or anything, but I can tell you that I prefer this season's Dario. Well, you know, you can't change time. I mean, you can't you can't fight the system. And I mean, he's gone. But you know, after seeing him again, I'm like, oh yeah, he's just a little more of a rap scallion. I think if that's a word. But this is from the Washington Post. Uh, the Great Game of Thrones, Dario Nahara's Switch in the State of Beefcake, written by Alyssa Rosenberg, April 8th, 2014. Uh, Game of Thrones is recast characters before. I'm going to try to paraphrase. And, you know, giving away its uh, progressing and the aging of its youthful actors, it might have to do it again. But the most dramatic switch this season was uh, leaked uh, when they sh- swapped out Ed Skyring. Sagai Rain, S-K-R-E-I-N, uh, who had been playing hunky mercenary Dara Naharis and departed for being a part of the Transporter franchise for Michael Usman, H-U-I-S-M-A-N, who was a producer on Nashville and a talented ad- addict on Treme. Uh, HBO takes license to show nudity at command, and free with a female anatomy, uh, though it's protect more protective of its male actors, and much discussion of what the parody for heterosexual ladies might look like. The uh, Dario switch out gets at a reason for the fa- failure of fairness has a little to do with prudishness, but a deep-seated reluctance, reluctance to valuing men just for their looks. As Dario, it looked like he had come from, uh, this is her, her opinion, uh, from a gig modeling from romance co- covers with Screen, uh, and his portrayal was consistent uh, with Martin's characterization of him. He was a hunk rather than an intellectual. In Martin's novels, uh, Dario is a kind of sexy adolescent folly who is a distraction for Danny and... Sky Rain, as I'll call him, uh, looked set forth to carry forth that ideal and looked just ridiculous with his shirt off. Uh, Hoosman is a more of a different kind of Ken doll in ways that go beyond his scruffed, more modest physique and the fact that he uh, hasn't taken his shirt off uh, rather than acting as an object of pure lust. <sighs> He's turning the character into a... I don't know if I agree with any of this. A uh, figure who can advance Danny's political as well as sexual education. I, I just think the guy won me. He said he, he's like an excellent... He's like the world's best whistler. I can't... That's the horse I put my... Anybody that has the bravery and wittiness to say that with a smile, that's who I... You know, that's that's the, that's the reason I prefer him. Plain and simple. Uh, sure, Dario uh, does things like in stupid competitions of strength, bearing flowers from far away, turning Dario into a more legitimate uh, partner in Danny's abolitionist imperial project may make her seem less ruled by her hormones a season or two down the line, but the change also burnishes away some of the tarnish that Martin put on Danny in the books, rendering her less human 
and a lot less lusty. It projects Dario from being just a sex object. Uh, the way Game of Thrones has turned women like Shay and Ross into real characters, rather than generic prostitutes they were in Martin's novels, has reaped real dividends. I agree with that for sure, making the things that happen to them hit harder. But sometimes... Shading and minor character makes a major arc less complex in the name of Danny's story, and in the case of Beefcake parody, I wish Game of Thrones had preserved Dario as the dumb, impulsive stud Martin wrote him as. I mean, I yeah, I, I gotta say I agree with. Uh, so I, 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 if I weigh in, I, I already did. So I, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong. Well, I can, I can like the old Dario and and live with the new Dario. How's that sound? I'll be like, I'm a little bit like, uh, in season four, I'm like Jorah. In season three, I'm like, call me Grey Worm. How's that sound? Uh, one thing I love, you know, I already just mentioned how much I love Dario's confidence in his whistling. And then I said to myself, well, you know, it's interesting because I can't, wh- like, uh, I had the hardest time learning how to whistle. I guess, um, when everyone was I'm like, what do you mean you can't whistle? Or just, you know, you know. Whistling is like one of those things you either know how to do it or you live a lifetime of trouble and not being able to live. And so I still can only whistle up until today, actually, when I was thinking about doing the podcast. Usually I could only whistle on the inhale. Like, I'm going to whistle far away. Now I'm choking because I'm on. That's an inhale whistle. But then today I was whistling out on the exhale, which I usually can't do. So I can't really do it well, but today I was doing it better. So maybe practice will make perfect. Um, and then I always think, I find whistling, uh, like was, uh, when I was writing some things before I started this podcast, I like worked in a, I always liked characters that whistled uh, confidently. So um, I don't know, I guess I got a thing for characters that whistle. Uh, but so I looked up like... Um, Stuff about can't whistling. The first came from Straight Dope uh, forums. Uh, I can't whistle. This guy, uh, Yag Sauce, says, uh, how, Can I learn now? I've tried and I never did. And this will be forums, so it's not going to be, you know, uh, try retracting, try not retracting either lip puck or both up into a kissing, cartoon kissing position. Didn't work for me. I can't even come close. That Yog says, hmm, I have my tongue uh, right up against my teeth and my cheeks tight. If I pull it back or puff out my cheeks, I can't whistle. Uh, Well, somebody else says, well, you're doing it totally wrong. Google learned to whistle. And uh, Bolarned says, well, I learned as a youngster. And uh, now I'm miserable at it. Yeah, it sounds like you're blowing too hard, says Tripolar. Try whistling in. Many many people find that softer, easier to begin with. That's what worked for me, but I never. Uh, Then John John Mace says, I can only whistle in and from the right side of my mouth. I can whistle straight in, but just from the middle of my mouth. Glow, glow, axes, they can't whistle either. 
but they can cup their hands and do that uh, hooting sound. I can't do that either. Uh, Hibernicus says, uh, while reading this, I tried whistling to see how I did it, and I discovered it's not the position of the lips. It's the position of the tongue relative to the teeth and the upper palate. And there's a lot more I'll link to the straight dope. And then there was a uh, ELI5 uh, over on Reddit. Uh, why can I whistle? Why can some people whistle while others can't by Jare? This is only two months old. Uh, there's 14 comments. Uh, Cheer Morin says uh, you can whistle but only while sucking in there. That's like me. I guess it's just a skill you need to learn, find the sweet spot that makes that whistling noise. Zebra Muffin says, Wow, I just asked a question in this th- thread about inhaling while whistling. It's good to know I'm not the only one who can do that. I'm able to whistle while inhaling uh, so I can whistle as long as I want without having to stop. Uh, they they say Zebra Muffin says they've noticed when whistling while inhaling, the sound created is a higher pitch than exhaling. Most people who see me doing this constant whistling think it's odd, but they think it's fun. I, I mean, constant whistling, that would be like a, a skill, like you could get into a Dumb and Dumber movie, like uh, just whistling for hours at a time to drive people nuts would be hilarious. Uh, Kai Morin says, uh, I should try to do it while exhaling. Is it much different learning? Uh, zebra muffins, the same shape, but different muscles in the face. Uh, tense based on what I'm doing. At least it feels that way when I exhale. Uh, when I was a kid, they say we sat in the front of the mirror for hours practicing, uh, altering the shape of the lips. You can produce different sounding whistles. Uh, action pack guy Morin shoots pack. Uh, I mostly do different tones with my tongue. I guess I'll spend some time trying when I get home. Maybe this is, maybe these two fell in love and got married and then broke up. Zebra muffin says, interesting, my tongue is mostly stationary when I whistle. Well, not when, we're not, to, you know, not when I take you over to my astro lab. Uh, I'll experiment with that. Uh, lead chipmunk uh, pups in to say, uh, I'm mostly in the same whistling boat as you. Yeah, join, come along and ride in my whistling boat. We can only whistle on the inhale. No, it didn't work. I can whistle in but not out. Same here, chipmunk, lead chipmunk. Every once in a while I can whistle out, same here. Uh, maybe we should, me and Lee Chipmunk should get together and mouth position out is in. I guess I should find someone that can whistle out. Opposites attract, opposite whistlers attract. Uh, Whiskerify says something about uh, to summon Satan on the phone. Fo- okay, let's just skip that. Zebra Muffin uh, adds in, why not an ELI 5 for OP? I wanted to... Oh, while not, you know, I want to ask a related question. Is it normal to whistle with the same speed and power, inhale and exhale? When I was a kid, I hated not being able to whistle, so I practiced. Uh, does anybody do both in and out? Lee Chipmunk says, you know, they can't uh, whistle, exhale. The zebra Muffin says, uh, if someone thinks, oh, they say, Lee Chipmunk says everyone thinks they're weird because they do it backwards. Zebra Muffin sticks up for Lee Chipmunk and says, you're not weird because of that. Imagine how weird they would think you were for doing both. Now, that might be a humble brag. At first, no one notices whistle sound mostly the same. After, they can realize I can whistle for five plus minutes without needing to stop to take a breath. They find it weird. 
the zebra muffin, I would love to, I would love to, you know, take you as a tool of evil. We could go to like conferences that are going on that we're not actually allowed to be at. You could just start whistling and you could, we could, we'll, we'll dress up in like business outfits and, uh, you could just whistle. We'll, we'll even get back, you know, like those name tags. They wear at conferences for stuff. And you could stand by me and whistle nonstop. And I'll, we could go around and then I'll act, I'll pretend like I can't hear you. And we'll like get in, like, you know, when those, uh, what's called icebreakers or mixers will go up and uh, be like, hey, hey, you, you're with uh, Tender, uh, Biodyne Systems. How you doing? Yeah, I mean, me and uh, Lee Chimunker are from, uh, you know, tender diet, tender eye, you know, tenderizing systems. Yeah, we're looking to, uh, you know, create the T2, T5000. Who, who's whistling? What are you talking about? I don't hear any whistling noises. Oh, boy. I don't know how you guys do over things over there at Cyberdyne Systems, but uh, that's not how we do it. Excuse us. And or we could go into like um, this is really bad stuff. But this is the kind of stuff I think if we could go into like a religious places and sit in the front and then see if the priest gets angry, I would take the blame. I would say uh, what whistling? I'm sorry. Like I would do something more annoying than your whistling to get their ire. Could you stop that whistling for the love of? It? And I'd say uh, no, no. There's no whistling here. Uh, you know, I don't know. We could think of something. I guess you don't listen to the podcast, though. So, um, so anyway, I guess I should close out that discussion of whistling. Uh, anybody can whistle non. I thought I heard Kenny G. I remember like maybe ten, two questions. Kenny G. Questions. One, didn't he win the record for the longest note ever played? Because he can breathe through his nose, like uh, Chip, maybe lead Chipmunk is Kenny G. That's three Kenny G questions. Two, did Kenny G win some kind of record? Uh, is Kenny G s still alive? And three or four, was Kenny G in Color Me Bad? Or was there a guy that looked exactly like Kenny G in Color Me Bad? That was the 80s or 90s. Was that nine? I want a sex shoot up, hip hop, tip top, you don't stop. I remember somebody being in the background uh, that looked like Kenny G. Uh, none of those. Okay, so uh, and you know, using whistling for annoying things, you know, but talking about it in a soothing voice that helps you fall asleep. Believe it or not, maybe not. I don't know. All right. Uh, so I spent some time trying to figure out who the hell was sitting next to Bruce Bolton at this wedding. Uh, it looked like a character you'd you'd choose in Mario Kart. Uh. But I couldn't figure it out um, with my basic Google searches. But what I did find is this nice interview here from uh, Access Hollywood, March 18, 2014. A Q&A with uh, Michael McElliton, McElliton, yeah, McElliton, uh, who plays Roose Bolton. Uh, he became one of the most infamous men in Westeros during the season three finale. As he said, the Lannisters send the regards. I don't think he said it like that, but who talks like that? The Lannisters send their regards. Uh, somebody sends their regards. I don't know. Uh, as they count down for season four one year ago, they spoke with Michael about going back for the series and what's next for Roos. 
uh, season access Hollywood is, you know, are you excited about season four? McAlden says, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to the premiere. Uh, let's talk about season three when you became one of the infamous men in Westeros. Are people still inviting you to weddings? Uh, he, he, he laughs. He says, yeah, actually, I am. I didn't get much hating. I think I've gotten more respect than anything. And a little bit of ruin from this podcaster, really. Yeah, no, Michael says, I didn't, you know, I did a play in London in the summer, and there were a lot of people that came because he's an excellent actor. Uh, I wouldn't take it out on Michael. I'd take it out on Roose Bolton. That's why I have a fantasy fiction time machine. So I don't deal with the actor. I deal with the character. Important, you know. Uh, but, yeah, he said there wasn't too much hating or debating. More respect. Uh, fear and respect, he says, and he laughs. Well, in some ways, Roos is just standing up for his family, Access Hollywood. You know, how do you justify what he did? Uh, let's face it, Rob broke an oath. Yeah, Michael says, yeah, Roos is cold and pragmatic. He's a political character through and through. And he felt like Rob was failing miserably and not taking his vice and making bad choices, so he switched allegiances. And also he seemed to, yeah, Rob's obsession with Talissa seemed to wear thin with Roos. Uh, he took the advice of Jamie and shifted allegiance and joined with Tywin to become Warden of the North. It was a good season for Roos, actually. Axis says, this is a slow bit build. Are we going to get more of you? He said, yeah, I've been on the sidelines. It did more in the books, but uh, they wanted this to be a shock. I'm glad, uh, you know, in the books he might have been a more obvious bad guy and creepier character. But, you know, they saved the shock for the Red Wedding in the TV show. In season four, we're going to see a shift of power. Uh, but he said he's not in a huge amount. But he's going to be gaining further power, which we know. They asked us, did you read the books? He said, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I read the first two books. Hey, just like me. And then I did lots of work before, and I realized the way they'd written Roos was different in the, the books. He's creepier. A soft, whispery voice, unlike his gravelly, booming voice. You can't read any emotion in his face. Michael's got great emotion in his face, I think. Some of this is my, you know, my side, sorry. So I didn't read any more of the books, Michael says. I want to make my character from the scripts and from the dialogue that was given to me by uh, Wenioff and Weiss. Well, by Wenioff and Weiss. Are you happy that you get to play the handsome Bruce Bolton? He said, the handsomer, well, that's nice of you. Uh, and then Axis says, he's a survivalist. And he said, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, he says, do you and the guy that played Ramsey, Ewan Rion, uh, spend any time off camera? He said, yeah, we've had some drinks uh, after some of the night shooting. He's a wonderful actor and a great guy. And then he said, what was it like going back to the set without uh, Rob and Kat? He said, yeah, we missed some... Um, you know, all the stuff that had been shot with them. So it was strange, and it must have been strange for them because the Red, Red Wedding was a wonderful week of filming, but it was also an emotional week, so it was a bit strange. But I suppose in Game of Thrones you toughen up like everybody else. Uh, Access Hollywood asked him, did you do anything to decompress after that? And he said, you know, no, I didn't, you know, I, I, I'm i cynical. I didn't cry or get my hair like Richard did or, 
get my hair cut like Michelle. I just went off and had a drink, and it was fine. It was a bigger deal for them. And they say, what was the fan reaction like? Which he already answered that question. What are people saying to you? We already answered that question. You were in the first season of the fall, and people are getting into that because it's on Netflix. He's like, yeah, it's great. It's going up the charts. And they said, yeah, and your co-star Jamie Dornan has an increased profile. He says, absolutely. So it goes off track. So that's uh, 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 a little more, a little interview, not above Michael McHalton. Michael McHalton, Hatton, McHatton, uh, a wonderful actor that plays Bruce Bolton. Hello, hello, this is Tommen, uh, called Sir Tommen, Lord Tommen, Prince Tommen. But most of you already know, and if you don't know already, the, the thing I'm most proud of, the thing that gives my life the most meaning that I, you know, when when I wake up in the morning and fear creeps in, because I, you know, I I might be scared of some such thing of, of what's coming in fantasy worlds or whatever. I know I have a best friend. I know that best friend's name. Best friend's best friend's name is Sir Pounce, and I know also that I am his best friend, the greatest cat and boy friendship or friendship. Between a non-boy and a non-cat, you know, in friendship, in the spelling of friendship in any language, they say, they say, describe to me uh, friendship. Uh, you might be in a foreign land and say, it means describe to me friendship. You would say, have you heard of Sir Pounce and Tom? And they would say, ah, oh, I understand because we have the greatest friendship friendship has ever known. Oh, I guess we define friendship. How do we define it? Now, that's a good question we will, we will talk about this week, is by helping each other, by advising each other. I also have a friend, he's the pod man. He's the one who puts these eels on my ears and takes me for rides in his uh, bolinator or some such thing. He creeps into my bedroom and says, Shh, don't tell George ever. What we're doing, Tom, in one more week till you have to be back, and then it'll be more complicated. Uh, you know, the man who comes in my room, puts heels on my ears, the pod man. He, we're friends, but not best friends. Cause but anyway, it is about helping each other. I attempted to help the pod man when he was helping his mother, and, you know, that was a bit more adventures than could ever be known. Well, maybe... Uh, I don't want to talk any more about what it would transpire there or answer any questions about my virtue or if I am a maid or whatever because I want to talk about friendship and how friendship works and and also the poetry of friendship is the Podman, write that down the poetry of friendship that is what Tom your, 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 your grace is speaking about this evening Podman is a are you snarling, Podman? Is that what you're doing? Be snarling at me. Anyway, I, uh, you know, return to this world, the world you all live in, and the world also Kelpolina lives in, believe it or not. So, Podman, I don't know if any of the people in Florida or the Podman believe it. What I know, and Sir Pounce knows, is that Kelpolina is somewhere in this world. And uh, uh, 
Padman said, one more week to prove it, Tom. And, uh, and, and I said, well, how? I said, Padman, come. Are we really friends? I need some help. You know, I've dated. I've, uh, you know, stroked the uh, uh, pussycats. And, he, and then I giggled for, oh, boy. I giggled because I know what that means now. <laughs> and I, uh, boy. <laughs> Maybe I still have my virtue, Mother. Maybe I don't. You'll never know. I'll never tell, Mother. Your boy may be a man or a boy or may be confused about those words, Mother. But you won't shame me because I already feel ashamed. So you could only increase my shame, Mother. You couldn't cause it directly. Anyway, um... I said, but man, uh, you know, the dating, the talking, I need to know how to win Kalpalina to make her love me. He said, oh, Tom, and you know, you just have to be yourself. I said, that's a bad man. Give me something concrete here. I'm a boy who's been shuffled off and told. And I, he said, Tom, and what about some poetry? I said, oh, what is this poetry? Is that a tree? Those uh, the uh, the brutes in the north believe in poetry. That's what they praise. That is the god, the poetry, right? And he said, "No, no, Tom. It's like a song without music, a lyrical song." And I said, "Tell me a po- poetry." And he said, "Tell me more, Podman." He said, "Well, there's a love poetry." Where you uh, say how much you you express your love, and uh, he, we went on and he talked about. It and I said, "Oh, I remember Joff used to say uh, he would because he started rhyming." I said, "Oh, rhyme like uh, uh, what did he call me? Blubber boy, blubber blubber blubber, go and cry straight to your mother, little blubber blubber, oh blubber blue." Tommins, my brother, he's sitting in his own poo. He would make up the rhymes like that. Much, much. He was actually probably better at it than that because it made me, made me hurt more inside than that. But the Bible said, oh, no, well, that's evil use of poetry. He said you could use it for Kelpalina, like you could say, and he read me some poems. That was, I said, I don't know, Podman. Rap, rap, rapping. I'm, and now I fear crows and ravens. Rap, rap, rapping. And then he said something about ruru, the night is strong, morn comes to dawn, or some such thing. And I, I fell asleep. Now I have learned with the podman to sleep with your eyes open, and that way he does not bug you. And he said, "What do you think, Tom?" And I said, "Oh." Uh, is this a good skill? So Pounce taught it to me. He said, weep. So I was sleeping. And I said, oh, thank you, Podman, for the poetry. And he said, well, I'll leave you to be alone, Tom, and to work on your poems. And he, I said, oh, thank you, Podman. And I said, oh, thank you, Podman. And then, um, where was I? So I was alone with Sir Pounce, and I said, Sir Pounce, let me, I think I understand this. Oh, I said, Kelpolina, your skin's so blue, Tommen wants to be with you. Kelpie hair, that smells like dirt. Will you make my belly stop its hurt? Your sea bubbles bubble so nice. Tommen would like to kiss you twice. Oh, Kelpolina, 
with your webbed toes. You have the heart Tommen wants to nose. Nose on your face, nose on mine. Can we take our hands and make them entwine? Kelpelina, 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 oh. Uh, Tommen, he, did I already say I love you so? In the sea you do live. Tommen's heart to you I give, for I am Tommen, giving my heart to Kelpelina. Now, people say I'm not so smart, but would you love me if I am, as the Podman says, just me? Kelpelina. And then the Podman says, that's too, too Susian, Tommen. And I said, what is a Susian? A Susian, is that a, 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 a sea race of people? A sea, what do I have to face? A seaman? How many seamen do I have to take on? How much seamen? And then the Podman, he was laughing. I said, oh, you like that, uh? Kelpelina, shoot semen at me. Tommen is brave, you will see. Semen, semen, come at me. Tommen. And then the potman said, Tommen, stop, 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 please, please. And uh, I said, oh, okay. He he said, you, you want to make Kelpelina laugh but not be creeped out. I said, thank you, Podman. And so I went on many more rhymes, and I said... I said, okay, I think this is pretty good stuff, huh? I said, well, let me see. Kelpie hair, Kelpie dress. Living in Kelp would be a mess. Kelpelina, can you come to land? Land is poor. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Uh, Kelp, uh, Kelpie hair, Kelpie dress. Living in Kelp would be a mess. Kelpelina, would you fight my mother? For I cannot choose you or her or another. No, no. I felt like much like a bard. I, I remember that man, Sunsphere man. He was, and I said, oh, I wish I had a beard. I wish my face was not like a baby's bottom. But alas, I said, well, okay, let me see. Kelpelina, webbed, I like the webbed toes. And I said, Pounce was lying there. And I said, Pounce, what do you think? Are you sleeping with your eyes open? Pounce, Pounce. So pounce. Oh, look, it's uh, Tamara and Tamika, the cats. They're here again for you. And then Sir Pounce jumped up and looked around. What about Tina? And I said, oh, none of them are here, Sir Pounce. And he said, oh. And I said, do you miss Florida? And Sir Pounce said, yes. I suppose, Sir Pounce, what do you think of my poetry? And he said, and we had, he said, listen, buddy, I, you know, I'm your cat. I'm your friend, and you need, but you're just a young boy. And he said, maybe you need a little more experience before you're ready for poetry. He said, funny, maybe many people that you know that suffer from all the you know mental trauma of you. Maybe this was Podman's. I don't know, but I say you should already be a good poet, but you don't have the. And, and then Sir Pound said, let me help you. And he, and he says, so Sir Pound said, I will help you write the uh, poetry. And I said, okay, Sir Pound. And so I, I like, this is the first test of me and Sir Pound's poem for, for the Podman and you. Aquamarine, the waves, they quake under sea.
My love awakes, or does it drown? Drowned in sorrow, will I see her today or tomorrow? Many days at sea it's been, longing for a sea cave in. Okay, no, that doesn't work. Sapansa, that doesn't work. Okay, Zeno. Okay, what's up? Okay. Uh, wait, pardon me. Uh, waves quake. My heart adrift. Is that what do you think about that, Sapansa? Okay. Waves quake. My heart adrift. Under sea. Under sea, what do you think? No. Okay, it's a work in progress, Sapansa. It's okay. How about this, Sapansa? What if. One of the cat, the tea cats, the girls with the tea names, was Tina, Tamara, Tamika, Tanya, and one other, right? Why don't you write them a poem? Okay, we're going to work. If we pretend it's uh, Kalpalina's All the Cats. Uh, blue. Is the sea is blue. As I feel your flesh, I imagine against mine, Capolina. For as long I sit on this beach and stare out to the sea and wonder where, where you lie. Were you real? Of course, of course, Capolina. Oh, just keep going. Okay. Were you real? Or an illusion? That my heart did feel purest passion, drenched in sea, salt on my lips, salt inside me. I waited to press against your chest, to pull you close. Galpalina, yes. No, that does not work. Okay. But you're okay, keep going. Uh, to pull you close. Sorry, it's hard to, uh, when a cat is talking to you, it's very hard to poetic, poeticize. Uh, oh, Capulina. I'm filled with woe. Sand in my mouth. The wind is blow. Grit in my eyes. Grit in my nose. For I'm alone. Alone? Why would I be alone? Oh, I don't like this poetry. I gotta stop. <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm not cut out for the poet. Sapounce just wants to... Uh, actually, Sapounce said many dirty things in his uh, other poems. A bit like Joff. So I think him in the pod, I don't know. So I guess that's it. I will figure out figure out how to win over Kepelina without poetry, I suppose. If I do take off her clothes, would they be kelp that would rip? Would a Kepalina's naked body drip if she was on the land with me? What would I do if a naked Kepalina I did see? Kepalina, Kepalina, hey. Tommen wants to take you away from the sea back to my home. Kepalina, I'm all alone. Prince Samin has nothing to say. If I was a king on this very day, I would pass a law 
to drain the sea. But then Cabalina would no longer be, for I know I cannot breathe all the time with bubbles or understand, and that gives me tummy troubles. Oh, Cabalina, oh, 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 oh. I, oh, my, I, to the bathroom I must go. Excuse me, okay. Well, anyway, that's Tom, and I will be back soon. Thank you for listening to this uh, appeal for the love of Kepalina. Uh, crone, this I'm for my prayer prayers. Crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, it's me praying in. In humble servitude, I'm back in uh, the state of California. Last time I talked to you guys, I was in Florida. And, uh, or maybe I, I think I crone, I did yell at you from Cal, was that in California about the website crash? I don't know if it's technically a crash. Uh, it was more of a conflict between a, uh, plugin and, a, uh, I think, I don't know. I still hasn't figured it out, crone. Maybe I should tell you guys about the internet. Um, I, Barky, did you, do you remember I tried to get you those computers and all that stuff? And uh, I don't know if it rained or you just been using it or what, but uh, anyway, gods, I uh, um, so the internet is a lot of jokes, easy joke, usually crone. You know, if you want to, you know, it would be like, oh, it was invented. You used to make an Al Gore joke to start, um, but that wouldn't work too much. But you might try to make a new re, re, you know, reboot it. Then, you know, some people say the Internet, but that's kind of warrant. I, it makes me crazy. I don't know why, but um, uh, anyway, Internet, probably I, my history is incorrect, gods, but normally most things in this country start like a defense contractor or shadowy government, para defense military thing, pays universities, to help them figure out the defenses, and uh, they say, okay, uh, you know, let's figure, this is just my guess. I don't know any history. They say, well, could we do this a way to communicate secret stuff about uh, enemies or potential enemies? Kind of like when people can't sleep. Oh, boy, we got to figure out, you know. So they had this way to connect computers. I can't even get into that stuff, but you'll have, so you'll have to make – they're, they're like little mini godheads, I would say. I'm sure you guys got god cronies, so, uh, and and they had them spread around so they could talk to each other. But you could also talk through another computer, send them messages, uh, but just digit, digit, digital one and zeros. Again, you guys, I'm sure you guys got some sort of spiritual message system, so. Not that big of a stretch, but anyway, that's normally how it starts. Military uh, university usages uh, funded by the military. And then the university said, "Well, we could use this to uh, send each other, uh, you know, stuff." And then quickly, then it becomes porn um, related. What's porn? Crone? Don't even close your ears on this because you might as well. It's porn, you know, pornography, uh, sexually titillating stuff for when you're alone or with a partner uh, to say, hey, check this out. Or if you're a teenager, like Tom and you giggle, you'll get a giggle. Oh, um, oh boy, self-disclosure alert coming in here. 
gods, but you're already tapping my brain. Um, let's see. I might as well. So before the Internet, there was like they had this stuff called dial-up, even when the Internet was there. And there was like when first dial-up first came out, you could go. They didn't have really the Internet yet. So you could just go to like a central hub. There was like AOL, I think, and CompuServe. Maybe. There's definitely CompuServe. And you would pay them, and uh, then you would uh, go to their thing, and you could do some stuff. Now there's also these things called bulletin boards. And you could rent war games, Barkey. Check that out. Um, well, you could go on these bulletin boards with your dial-up, uh, which would you plug your computer into a phone line. Neither one of those things exists anymore, dial-up, phone lines. Uh, but anyway... So you would co- so here's the self so I had a computer right and uh, it had a modem that was what would dial it up it would go be and there was one time my uh, my dad my dad said hey this guy at work's got a bulletin board and he ch- we checked it out I think once but maybe my dad gets real high, high anxiety so he was like oh this is too dangerous. So my parents were out of town. I was a kid, like young. It's probably same around the porn time. The last story God's about the pornography. So I said, "Oh, let me check this bulletin board out." Um, I guess I dialed up. You go in there. It was text based. You'd say, "Hey, you look up different stuff." There's like you talk to people. You could probably, you could download, there's some games. I found other, first thing I did was, I think I found other bulletin boards. I don't know how I did any of this. Now I'm thinking about it because, uh, but anyway, and of course I didn't learn any of this so I could get a job doing it. So it was kind of, but quickly I figured out you could get porn. Um, not great porn because this was a, uh, I don't even know if this was a CGA computer but anyway, I downloaded some basic porn, which was, um, I don't know if they call it Askazi or whatever. It was like just dots. But it was some pictures of uh, women. There was some comedy porn. Um, uh, what was my point? And I tried, I even downloaded, I think I downloaded a virus uh, right away because I tried to download a game. And I think I crashed that computer. We got another one not long after that. Then I said, well, these bulletin boards are cool, but how, you see this CompuServe. I'm like, man, I want, I want to get in that. It's got to be way cooler. There was games you could play on there. And it said, uh, so I, I said, I tried to get in there because it says free trial, but um, that's a lie because you need a credit card or a check to get the free trial. So total bullshit, um, which they should have been smoted. I think they were, unless they were acquired. I can't remember who, maybe AOL was there. I can't remember. They had a competitor back in the day. It was them and somebody else. But anyway, again, my parents were gone, so I found a check. Oh, boy. Uh, Probably this, hopefully, can't get punished for this. And I said, well, if I'm signing up for the free trial, uh, what's the harm in putting in the checking account number to CompuServe? So I did that, and I got on CompuServe. It was cool. Uh, I don't remember what I did on there. No porn because, you know, it was vanilla because they're business and stuff. But I think I played some games. I think I had some fun on there. I remember I can picture – I can't picture what I'm doing, but I can picture the emotions I was having 
which was pretty joyous. I mean, I was break, you know, I was breaking rules. Um, again, a lot of other people did this, and then they said, "Well, let me see if I could, uh, you know, keep learning here some, you know, useful skills other than downloading porn pictures and um, jokes and you know, video games." But that's what I did. Probably did some other stuff. I liked graphics, so anything with anim- anything with animation. That would, I, I remember, I downloaded some Christmas cartoon because it, uh, CGA computers stink. Um, but this was animated; it was pretty good for CGA. I think it even had some like little games in there, and we have like a real one voice computer or whatever. So it was like a eight bit. It was like probably a one bit. I think if you know they have eight bit music now. I think this was one bit. Uh, but anyway, God, sorry about that. I don't think. I, so that's the internet. Did I? What was I? What was my point? Okay. So then the, after that, the smart people that they said, oh, let's make these all connected. And there was ways you get better porn. I remember another thing. I was on the internet. And you could instant message. This was at school, university. And uh, this is how thick I was, Crone. You know, there was actually women attracted to me, but 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 I didn't believe it. And I remember once I was some I was in a the computer class, internet something. I didn't pay. Of course. Oh, boy, I don't think I have full disclosure time. But I remember she instant messaged me, and I said, why is she instant messaging me? Instead of saying, hey, why is she instant messaging me? I said, why? And I said, hi, uh, what's up? She said, blah, 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 it's so cool. We're chatting in class via Unix or Anix or something. I don't even know what the hell or some some such thing. I blew that one Uh so she was Irish. I can't remember, but but I said, Crone. You know, I said well, she she couldn't be possibly attracted to me. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was just being friendly. But she didn't talk to me after. I kind of was like, I don't think I was trying to be rude. I guess I was just shy and confused. Um, I also didn't that class. I'm angry about. So that would class. I knew more than she, actually, the Irish girl, uh, whose name I forget, and my friend Terry. They were the only people, other people that got the Internet or where I was going. This was like right before I went crazy and, you know, the boom bust. Um, but then the teacher got fired. So it was like the end of his year. So he gave everybody a low grade, I think, to like say F you to the. And I know actually he said, if you don't like your grade, email me. Um, and then I never emailed him, which I should have to say, hey, why did you give me such a bad grade when I know I knew everything? I know I aced the test and the papers and stuff. Um, so what was, what was their point? Oh, so then, so then the Internet advanced rapidly from there. Meanwhile, I did not – I lived in the Bay Area right at the boom and the bus. I never got a job in the – tech industry, even though I'm a huge tech fan, crone. I mean, obviously, Barky, I'm putting computers and internet stuff in your tree and you're not using it. Or maybe, I don't know. And uh, poor life choices, I guess. But, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be here if I made good choices. And now the good choices have been made for me in some sense, guys. I was brought to your doorstep, an adult baby in a basket, you know, who could do only, you know, and, and so as I arrived on your doorstep as your adult baby, 
to worship you. Uh, then internet went advanced, and then this week it it screwed me a little bit. But we fixed that. I don't know. I guess I was trying to catch you guys up on the whole website uh, thing, but I fixed it, guys. That's the main thing. You don't care because you don't have to download the podcast. You just say, oh, that's podcast boy. He's praying. Anybody going to listen to his prayer? Just put put it in the, you know, what do you guys call it? PMS, prayer management system. I designed that, God's, you know, fantasy to spirituality, to spirit energy is kind you know, maybe not. Um, so that was a bit, so, yeah, so the bulletin boards were cool. Ricky was the guy that ran that bulletin board. I think I even played some games on there, text-based games. You could, I don't know. Um, what was my point? Well, I don't know. You guys don't need I don't know why I brought up the internet. When you're gods, you don't really need it. But you probably observe us, and we talked about Edward Snowden and stuff. Um, that's how I get all the, like, when we watch movies, like when we watch Snowpiercer, I think we were watching on Netflix, that comes over the internet too. So now it's way more advanced. They had a whole net neutrality fight gods, which is like about, um, uh, there's businesses that, you know, they're, people just, it's hard for right now, at least in, maybe this is a story of humankind and that's why you guys laugh at us, but. Hard for us to have vision uh, as a group and as individuals. But then, so the businesses and the government, they don't have a lot of vision about the Internet, and they didn't 10, 20 years ago. So all the power is kind of concentrated in the U.S. and these few companies that kind of run both the, what we do on the Internet and how we get it. So that's a big shakeup or fight right now. We'll see how it falls out. But they have these business models that make a lot of money on the old way. And then there's people like, well, we want to do it a new way. And they say, well, we'll, we'll get around to it. Um, kind of like if, Crone, I don't know if you've ever gone into a place to buy coffee where it's 25 cents as opposed to like two bucks. But they say, hey, can I get another cup of coffee at this diner? I know it's only two. And they say, yeah, we'll get, we'll get around to it, you know, sweetie. When, you know, I got a cut paying customers here. I don't know if that happens to you, Crone, but I hear other, I've heard other Crone-like people complain about that, or I have, because I drink so much coffee, especially at diners, and I say, hey, you know, my coffee, some places that you never know how, I don't know how I got on diners. Diners are places you eat that uh, universal, you know, you say, hey, I want a diner. I don't know how to describe a diner, but good. usually diners are a place you can drink coffee. Um, and I say, hey, you know, some diners, they say they just keep your coffee coming. Maybe I'll eat at a diner tomorrow. Uh, there's one, they call it a cafe, but it's a diner. Well, it's, I guess, a lunch counter place they call it. Would be, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I guess the Internet's like a bad, poorly run diner with their coffee with some Internet companies. So that's it, guys. You're probably all asleep from that. Um, but I'm praying in, you know, thanking you for the journey. I guess in some sense, yeah, I, this brought me to gratitude for you, gods. 
because it wasn't for my poor decision not to learn more about the Internet. I could have learned HTML in that class. And I said, uh, no, I'm not good with languages. I did later learn HTML temporarily. It didn't stick for to try to get a promotion at the job. I didn't get it, but um, not a big deal. Well, I, no, no, I, that was to try to become a full-time employee. But they said, oh, we don't have the money. But anyway, guys, you know, I didn't, if I would have learned HTML, then I would have said, oh, you know, what if I could create a, you know, some sort of, you know, JavaScript, uh, you know, CSS program to bore people directly through the Ethernet and, you know, also the, you know, Ethernet and, uh, and dial-up, you know, manipulate dial-up tones to put people to sleep and I'd be a billionaire. I'd have a house full of models and I probably, you know, maybe I would have, you know, not not stop drinking or maybe I would have. Maybe I'd be swimming in a pool and no one would be asleep because I would have gone mad with power and success and happiness. I would have been so happy. I would have been like, let the people not sleep. And I would have been drinking out of some, you know, giant gold cup and laughing, wearing a crown of my own creation and you know, eating grapes off of uh, out of the lips of beautiful women, and maybe I would have gone mad. I'd be like, you know, totally like a jester god, living in gluttony and pure pleasure, relaxed, no worries, no anxiety. But you know, instead, my life took the wonderful turns it did. Which really, I say that, but but it didn't, you know. And my life was much fuller than that wonderful, you know, possibility of indoor and outdoor pools and hot tubs and maybe, you know, golf carts and four-wheelers and ocean. You know, swim in the pool, then go swim in the ocean, lie on the beach, then go lie, you know, lounge in my, you know, pool, pagoda or whatever. And then, you know, get on my chopper to go to my golf stream with my, you know, I'd probably have like giant pendants. I wouldn't have to wear a shirt ever, which is one of my dreams. But I don't need to wear a shirt now. So it's a little chilly tonight, though. So, but that brought me, you know, my choices did not leave me there. They led me here to you guys. Who would have thought it, God's? Without, uh, you know, saying, why bother? I wouldn't have started to bother with this podcast. I wouldn't have discovered, oh, sweetest, the sweetest, sweetest of the crones. The only crone I know, the sweetest crone. The jester who makes me laugh so with his irony and, and you know, challenges the, the smith who, you know, deserves more credit than the friggin' warrior. The Miller, who who doesn't get any respect from the stupid mother and father and shadow gods and the rest of those know-it-alls. So who, you know, I wouldn't have fallen on your doorstep in a little basket, sucking on my thumb. No, probably sucking on my toes because that's gross. And said, I'm here, gods. I'm your little boy here to praise you and give you justice that you deserve. So actually, you guys kind of owe me for my choices that brought me here, but whoa, 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 you know that's blasphemy. 
or whatever they call it, you know, maybe that set me up for some big bowl of miasma soup or uh, whatever they call it. So whatever, guys, I guess I'm glad I'm here. Serious, I could, you know, I'm helping people sleep. What, you know, wonderful people that are only wonderful. I know because you guys, you, you deserve credit, not the wonderful, wonderful listeners that reach out to me, that support me. They, they, uh, they uh, lift me up when I'm down, make me laugh. They make me cry. They, you know, they make me giggle. They make me, you know, whatever else they do. Uh, wouldn't have, so thank you guys for, jeez. I mean, who I was talking to a freaking Canadian newscaster. I was talking to a Canadian jerky expert. I was talking to non-Canadians even. So... You know, wow, you guys, God, did I tell you about Canada? I got to go, though. So thank you for the opportunity to be your humble servant and to serve the wonderful people that you, God, put the wonder in through your Godhead system, just like the Internet, the end. Good night, crone. And the rest of you guys, of course.